All right, there we go. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Team here, and this is BXJS Weekly Episode 106, bringing you all the best JavaScript news in the podcast form. And um, honestly, I'm surprised that we're going to have an episode that is this small <laughs> in this time, basically. I expected that, you know, because we have this uh, COVID-19 situation and everything, that people would, you know, sit at home and be more productive and do something useful and, I don't know, release more libraries, articles, whatever. But seems like it's exact opposite of that. And we have uh, like two and a half libraries and then a few articles and that's basically it. So this one is going to be a bit short. Uh, hey, Lucas, welcome to the stream. All right, so uh, as usual, the first section of the day is getting started. We got four articles here. The first one we have is intrinsic sizing in CSS. So this talks about the intrinsic sizing of the elements using CSS. Uh, the intrinsic means that you define the size of the element is defined by the content the element has. And this is something I honestly did not know the CSS has before reading that. Again, you know, I'm not exactly the CSS guy, so I'm not working too much with it. And when I do, I prefer stuff like Tailwind that basically does it for me. But uh, it's really good to know that this exists and the article does a very good job of explaining how the intrinsic sizing works and how do you basically pick the correct CSS uh, properties for that and so on and so forth. So if you are learning CSS or maybe you never heard about intrinsic sizing, make sure to read through this. It's really, really good. Uh, hey, G. Uh, <laughs> why do you have to pick usernames like this? D. Julian, did Julian? Is that how you read that? <laughs> Welcome to the stream. God damn it. Okay, I probably murdered your username, but you know, um, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> continuing, the next article we got here is creating your first REST API with Deno and Postgres. So this is uh, possibly, uh, I think we didn't have that many articles on Deno side, but uh, yeah, so this is one of them and it uh, shows you how to build a basic REST API using Postgres and Deno.js with a specific Deno library. So yeah, it's, you know, it's very straightforward. There's nothing super complex here and uh, it's quite simple to follow. So if you wanted to dive into Deno and wanted to build a simple REST API that talks to a database, then this is probably a very good starting point. So let me have a look at the chat. Uh, it's Diego, just, okay, Diego is a lot easier. <laughs> Uh, hey, Tennis, welcome to the stream. Hey, Olsi, welcome to the stream. All right. Yes, Diego is definitely a lot easier than uh, whatever it is right now. <laughs> anyway, continuing, we got another interactive tutorial that is published on Observable HQ that is called Introduction to EntV. And this is another one uh, about the data visualization. I think most of those from Observable HQ talk either about data processing or data visualization most of the time. So again, you know, this one talks about EntV and it shows you how to do different fancy charts with it. And again, this is observable HQ. So that means you can literally just play around with the values here and see the data change um, immediately, right? So once you re-render that, you will see the changes, which is uh, again, probably one of my favorite things about the observable HQ, the fact that you can just learn by tweaking stuff, which is, uh, kind of awesome. And yeah, the fact that you can do that as well, it's just like, <laughs> this stuff still blows my mind to this day. So if you are into data visualization, and if you never heard about NTV or maybe heard about it, but uh, wanted to learn it, then there you go. This is a really good tutorial. And uh, the NTV is obviously on GitHub. So if you want to start it, you can do that. 
Right, uh, last article we got here in getting started section, and let me just allow that real quick, is implementing infinite scroll and image lazy loading in React. So it was a pretty basic tutorial on doing infinite scroll and lazy loading using intersection observer in React.js environments with, you know, basic hooks and stuff like this. Uh, nothing super complex, but if you wondered, if you, I guess if you're just getting started with React, and if you're wondering how exactly do you, you know, do the lazy loading or do the, uh, infinite scroll, which is, in my opinion, a terrible pattern for like 99% of cases and pagination usually works better because it's dereferenceable most of all, then do check this one out. It actually does a really good job of introducing what is intersection observer, how to use it for lazy loading and how to use it for infinite loading, which is again, quite straightforward, but it's a really good getting started article. Right, uh, that's it for getting started, like four articles. That's all we had this week. Uh, now we got two news articles, which are, again, you know, not super complicated, but uh, pretty neat um, anyways. So the first one we got is React single file components are here. This is an article from Swix, who's, you know, mostly has like this sort of, um, they are not really technical pieces, but they are more diving into the whole like architecture and patterns and design of the you know code design, uh, systems design, and stuff like this. And this one talks about the Redwood JS, which I covered last podcast. So this is this new React-based framework that's kind of all-in-one, and uh, what they did with the uh, component files, which is kind of neat. So if you look at the existing GraphQL queries, right? Uh, the typical structure of the component, if you look at, at Apollo, for example, looks like this. You have the query that is the GraphQL query that sends the request for data. And then you have the hook that uses that query. And then you have four states. You either have an error state that shows you an error. You have a loading state that shows you a loading indicator. There is no data, you show something. And there's the data you show, well, you render the data, right? So this is like, four states at most, uh, sometimes three, if you don't care if there's any data, but that's a different case. So what the Redwood did is they introduced so-called Redwood cells, which basically is a um, single file that exports four things. It exports the query, it exports loading component, empty, failure, and success components, right? As easy as that. I think it's a really, so like Swix argues for the same thing. It's, it's a really elegant pattern that makes it incredibly easy to structure sort of single file components that are centralized, I guess, you know, instead of like putting this loading and empty and failure into different components, you just put it into one and then you can work with it in one simple file. And I think it's a really cool solution. And there's uh, like a lot more argumentation here in the uh, article itself about why the formats is better than function. What is the story component, uh, component stories, and you know how to emerge CSF and SFCs? There's a lot more discussion basically going on. Uh, again, some suggestions with top-level components hooks, which sounds interesting to be honest. But I don't know if that will, like how that will work and if that will work at all. So you have, you would need to have some sort of a custom loader. But there's some really interesting thoughts here, and um, yeah, so it's it's a pretty neat pattern and. I will be curious to see how that develops because it seems like community in general likes that. And there was, uh, there was even input from Dan Abramov uh, on uh, something uh, that they basically worked on within React that is kind of relevant to that, which is also quite curious. 
So if you are interested in this kind of stuff, do definitely read through article. It's actually really good and uh, quite entertaining as well. So there we go. Have a look at the chat. Lucas, I use Intersection Observer to lazy load iframes. I mean, Intersection Observer is great. There's like so many users for it and it's really easy to use even within React. Like it's literally just one callback and you're good. Uh, you can use it for NAV patterns, for lazy loading, for infinite loading, whatever the hell you want, right? So it's kind of quite awesome uh, API and I'm really happy we have that instead of, you know, scroll hijacking and all the other bullshit that basically messes with your navigation. Anyway, uh, the last article we got here for today is React Suspense in Practice. So this is a really, really big write-up on uh, using React Suspense for lazy loading the components and, you know, showing the fallbacks and all that kind of stuff. I guess if you already know how the suspense works, you won't really find anything new here. I mean, they do like show the example of re-implementing navigation using component, la lo la component lazy loading is what I want to say and stuff like this. But um, the gist is quite straightforward just to demonstrate how the suspense works, how the fallbacks work, how do you lazy load something, how do you switch the components and so on and so forth. So if you know how Suspense works, you won't really find anything new here, but if you never use Suspense or maybe you wanted to dive into it, but wasn't sure, then this is a really good starting point. Along with the official docs, obviously, which are always um, of a pretty high quality. But yeah, so if you wanted to learn about React Suspense, this is probably a really good place to start. Right, um, that's actually it for articles and news. Uh, we got three tips, tricks, and bit-sized awesomeness here, I guess, mostly bit-sized awesomeness because none of those are really tips or tricks and I'm not sure that all of that is awesome but um, two of them are so the first one is the announcement from npm they were just acquired by github which means they are now part of github which means you can stop worrying about coronavirus destroying npm and uh, you know they are going out of business or whatever they're not going to live under GitHub umbrella, which means they're going to be funded by Microsoft, basically. And um, the registry is essentially safe. And I think, in my opinion, that's really good news. So we've seen Microsoft doing a lot of cool stuff with open source, and hopefully they will continue doing that and uh, pushing NPM towards being a better package registry. So there we go. That's, uh, in my opinion, really good news. And the second announcement we got here is GitHub Mobile is officially leaving beta and entering general availability starting, well, it says today, but it actually was on March 17th, which means you can already download it and use it. And uh, it actually worked quite fine. So it's a really nice app. And if you're using mobile and um, yeah, do make sure to check it out. It's actually quite nice. Let me have a look at the chat. What will happen with Yarn if NPM is under Microsoft now? I mean, Yarn is developed by Facebook, right? So uh, unless anything changed, I know that a majority of contributors is from Facebook, but it's sort of community project. So I guess it doesn't really change anything. And I don't think it's going to change anything at all. The SBXJS website not updated anymore. It is, wait, what? 100, uh, 100, so you might have problems with cache. Try to force reload this because it's statics and I probably misconfigured my caching headers. So try to force reload. It has 105 and 106 should be builds over tonight. But yeah, it tends to have this caching issue. So if you want to send a PR to fix that, uh, I will be more than happy to accept that. But it should be updated. It has the weekly builds uh, that happen on midnight on Sunday, uh, whenever that is in a GitHub timing. So there you go. Okay, uh, last bit of uh, 
bit-sized not so awesome news we got here is the fact that Electron is temporarily pausing uh, major updates. That goes uh, along with the announcement from Chromium team that also pauses the major updates because they are like, you know, everyone's switching to remote work and uh, the teams are now sort of, not all people are used basically to working remote, which honestly on teams like Chrome uh, was surprising to me, but I guess, you know, the big company like Google, not everyone is working remotely. So it's gonna be hard for people who are not used to that to switch. So they are gonna be changing the schedule. There's not gonna be, uh, no longer gonna be what they had before. It's gonna be slightly slower, I guess, maybe completely paused for the duration of the pandemic. And the Electron did the same decision essentially because they are on par with Chromium. They won't really have anything to release anymore. So they're gonna be pausing the major releases as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's basically it for the tips, tricks and bit-sized awesomeness. We got two releases this week. It's like um, Nest.js version seven, which actually has a ton of cool things in here. So it's like the GraphQL with TypeScript support and uh, GraphQL plugin and a bunch of other cool things that they've introduced. Uh, I've seen Nest more than once. I don't really like, you know, how um, how very object oriented it is. Let's just put it this way. I prefer a more functional approach, but it looks like a very nice framework. So if you're using it, make sure to check it out. Or maybe if you like object oriented programming more than functional, do check this one out because it seems uh, like a very nicely designed one. Uh, and yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. And the second release we got here is Babel version 7.9. Uh, the major highlight here being the Babel preset env now has the bug fixes option that is gonna be enabled by default in Babel version eight, but for now we have to flip it manually, which makes the um, builds, the resulting builds a lot smaller and a lot nicer and account for a lot of things that modern browsers can basically do. So if you are, using Babel to build your stuff. And if you wanted to have smaller builds while you're targeting the modern browsers, make sure to check this one out and try it out with the bug fixes true and you know see if anything breaks for you actually, because it, theoretically it shouldn't, but you know, it might be some unexpected things, but uh, yes. So module, no module pattern support and everything, which is uh, kind of awesome. Okay, uh, that's it for releases really. It's like, we're almost done here. This is terrifyingly tiny. Uh, now we got libs and demos. And uh, the first one we got here is really fast deep clone RFDC that, well, allows you to clone, deep clone the objects in JavaScript in a really, really fast way. That's like supposed to be the fastest one out there, which is, yeah, the benchmarks are bonkers as usual. So um, if you are looking for a lib that does cloning really fast, do check this one out. Next thing we got here is my drive. This is a, uh, Google Drive clone using Node.js and MongoDB. So you can self-host that. You can learn how to build something like this if you want to. Seems to be a pretty nice project. Um, yeah, there's plenty of stars here and uh, seems like it's uh, quite actively supported. And there's a demo on Heroku if you are interested. Okay, uh, next thing we got here is Heapify, the fastest JavaScript priority queue out there with zero dependencies. So if you're looking for, uh, queue, right, the priority queues, and you wanted something small and really fast, then this one is actually a nice pick. And it also has the ES module if you want to use it. So um, yeah, looks quite nice, basically. All right, next thing we got here is use worker hook, running heavy tasks in the background without blocking the UI, essentially just a hook for 
using the offloading the tasks to the web workers in a nice manner instead of you know doing it manually basically as probably wraps around something like the uh, developers um, what was the name of the package let me guess is it wraps around the no it doesn't interesting ah okay it actually doesn't have any dependencies oh wow okay so it's i guess custom custom logic that's pretty neat but anyway there you go so if you wanted to offload something using hooks you can now do it with this one which looks pretty nice all right next thing we got here is joyjs make happy little programs now this thing is a bit weird i guess uh and um yeah it sort of allows you to build this interactive kind of experiences that generate stuff and not just like in this case you can see here see on the um on the screen there's the rendering of the i guess the generated arts you would call that is like a render of a flower with steps you can also use it to generate music you can also use it for non-linear dynamics and stuff like this uh but yeah it's it seems to be pretty crazy i honestly have no idea why would i use that i mean i guess it's it's cool that it has all these elements that allow you to you know just play around with it interactively probably good for designing like learning experiences but uh yeah it's you know just have a look at it it looks really neat but i honestly don't know why would i personally use that i guess i'm out of the target audience here comlink um the comlink was one of them but i think uh, yes of course i have to add js first there was the comlink and there was the there was a bunch of others right um so there was the develop it on github and he uh, whoa, 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 whoa. so he had two packages that were working with web workers uh workerize and there was something else from him so the workerize was the uh, one that is relatively easy to use with like the inline syntax and there was something else oh yeah workers yeah the loader for and that was what was it maybe maybe it was a comlink but yeah whatever so it's like there's a bunch of them already so i thought you used something underneath but actually custom logic which i guess you know is not that hard to implement but uh anyway Right, continuing, we got RxJS for await, a new library for making RxJS support a sync await for await loops uh, via sync iterables. So essentially what that allows you to is to consume observable using for await value of your observable loop, right? Which is actually like, it makes perfect sense that you can do that, but uh, obviously you need to implement the async iterable for that to work, which this library just wraps RxJS and uh, does that for you, which is kind of neat. So if you have any cases where you need to consume uh, observable in this kind of um, sequential manner, I guess, this is probably a really good way to do that. Um, I mean, not that, you know, you couldn't do that with uh, subscriptions and stuff, which work just fine, but this one is, I guess could be nice in some cases, but anyway. Uh, if you work with RxJS, do make sure to check it out. It seems like a very neat way to do it. Okay, next thing we got here is Tailwind Starter Kit, a beautiful extensions for Tailwind CSS. So this is like a bunch of Tailwind components uh, that are purely CSS. You can just copy them and use them whenever you want. Uh, stuff like alerts, buttons, images, menus, labels, uh, whatever you can imagine. The cool thing, it also comes with Vue.js, React.js, Angular, and uh, JavaScript components 
which you can basically, again, just, you know, if you write in React, you can just go here, copy this component and then use it in your code with an example over here, which works uh, pretty cool. The alerts come along with the um, close button uh, prepared for you. So if you're working with Tailwind, uh, do check this one out. If you are not working with Tailwind, I would highly recommend checking it out because Tailwind is pretty damn awesome. All right, and the last library we got here today is uh, GQLS. This is probably my favorite one from this week because it's a really cool idea. Uh, it's a GraphQL client that works without writing queries. So um, the gist here is that it takes your uh, properties that you get from the query object that it exposes and automatically maps them into a GraphQL query, which seems to work really well and uh, actually seems like a really cool idea. So instead of writing the query that would say, okay, get me a me with name, get me users 10 with limit 10 and ID name, you would just say, okay, query.me.name, like you would access it. Then you would say query.users with limit 10, map user to user ID, username. And then everything else, the query will be generated by the library itself. That sounds like a really awesome way of doing it, to be honest. So if you're working with GraphQL and if you're doing a lot of these queries that purely just read and you know don't have to persist, state across different things and manipulate things in tricky manners. Do check this one out, it actually looks really awesome. It also supports mutations, if I remember correctly, and there's like variables, polling, custom queries, interfaces, and unions. Does it support mutations? I think I've seen it somewhere, but maybe I'm mistaken and mixing things up. It might be that it is just the read query for now. Yeah, it seems like it's just the read queries for now. But anyway, that's a really nice way of uh, reading queries from GraphQL API. So if you are working with that, do check this one out. It's actually a really, really cool idea. Uh, I probably should also start it on GitHub because I really like that approach. There we go. Right. Um, that's actually it from my side. That was like 20 minutes of stream. That I don't don't have anything else this week. This was it. So, you know, just want to stay stay safe, stay home and wash your hands, I guess. So, if you guys have any more questions, suggestions or things you want to share, throw them into the chat right now. If not, then I guess we can just wrap it up here. Uh, again, you can find all the mentioned links on a GitHub right now or on bxjs.dev once the website updates in a um, few hours, I guess, like 10 hours or something. Midnight, basically GitHub time. Uh, you can join our Discord server to chat with us about JavaScript, video games or whatever. Um, you can follow me on Twitter for updates for and rants and shit posting, of, of course. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, have you used AVS CDK? What is that? Uh, that is something I haven't even heard about. Cloud Development Kit. I've used their command line and I've used the Terraform recently to like scaffold the AVS uh, Amazon Web Services infrastructure, but this is something that I haven't even heard about yet. I mean, Amazon Web Services has an incredible amount of services that they provide and it's i think it's impossible to know about all of them but that is so what is this um today getting what is amazon web services cloud development kit cloud formation enables you create a provision oh, okay so it's a cloud formation basically uh da -da -da, define custom resources 
Uh, yeah, okay, so here's the thing. This this basically locks you into the Amazon Web Services and forces you to, so once you write this, you are not gonna be going anywhere from Amazon, right? Which I guess works fine if you know that you're locked into them anyway, but I personally prefer more generic solutions. So Terraform is uh, what I've picked from all the tools and it's not that hard to write. Like you don't like, it took me like half a day to learn the syntax and then finish the basic infrastructure that consists of like a bunch of EC2 instances and then some stuff like, you know, the running scripts on them to set up MongoDB setup, Redis, whatever. So I don't know, I guess it looks fine, but I personally don't know why would I pick that over Terraform that I could easily port to run on, I don't know, Google Cloud or Azure or whatever if I wanted to, right? So this, I wonder if someone would make a generic version of that that would basically be acting the same as Terraform but using JavaScript. <laughs> that would be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I would still stick to Terraform rather than that. And rather than CloudFormation again, because it's it's purely Amazon Web Services. But yeah, it's I mean, it looks pretty neat. So we'll give it that, uh, but yeah. Okay, any more questions, suggestions, or other things you guys wanna talk about? We, yeah, <laughs> this this was too, too damn short. It's like 20 minutes or something. Uh, David Walsh, a name cancel fetch. I think I've seen this one, uh, but it's like super short and we already had like five or 10 articles about this exact, about the board controller and how you do that. It's like, yes, you can create a board controller. You can get a signal from it, pass it to fetch, and then you can abort it if you want to. Cool. Yeah. You have exactly the same information in MDN basically, but, um, I guess it's a nice bit of tutorial, but we have that like, wait a second. If I go to BXGS dev and say fetch a board, how many results are we gonna get? Uh, a board control. I remember we definitely had more than one of those. Ba -ba 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 no, micro front ends, a board. A board, there you go. Uh, just five episodes ago so okay. we definitely had something similar so you know i decided to just ignore that at, at, for now at least okay any more questions suggestions or anything else i mean you, you know if we have any non-related questions whatever just ask away because i don't really have anything better to do anyway i mean i could go and play doom because um the stream unfortunately didn't really work last time but uh, the game itself is awesome, and I definitely want to play more of that. So, unless you guys have any more things you want to ask or chat about, I'm just going to go and uh, play some Doom Eternal because it's quite damn awesome. Right. Um, doesn't seem like we have any more questions or suggestions. So, uh, that was really short, but yeah, there's nothing really else to discuss. I guess let's just wrap it up here. Again, thank you guys very much for watching. Thank you for your continued support. Hope you found something useful today as well. Um, as I said, stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, and you know, uh, be healthy. That's um, very important. Uh, so, uh, Vitenis, I actually opened the chat on my left screen so that I can see the YouTube chat uh, as well. And yes, it doesn't sync half of the messages for some reason, but I can see all your messages now. So that's that's perfectly fine. That works in fine now. I couldn't, unfortunately, 
I couldn't find anything but Restream Chat that basically does this kind of, you know, unified chat from all the services. So we're going to stick with that. I'm wondering if I should just kill the chat from the screen at all and just read it, you know, from off screen because it seems to be working better. <laughs> anyway, we're going to figure it out. So I can see your messages. I know that you hate the chat sync. I can see them immediately now. Don't worry about that. Uh, anyway, again, thank you guys for watching. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, and enjoy the rest of your weekend and quarantine and isolation. You need to build your own. Oh, no. I mean, we could probably do... That would be a nice project, actually. Uh, you know what's interesting right now? The Restream chat got the message faster than the YouTube chat on my other tab, which is uh, makes me wonder if if um, if <laughs> if there's something wrong with the YouTube API maybe now due to overloading. How's the situation with the COVID-19 in your city? I think we have like about 100 sick people and they've like closed all the non-essential shops, but it's not too terrible now. Like I usually use this, um, this sort of, um, there we go. There's this really nice visualization dashboard from the uh, Robert Koch Institute here. And we can choose the Sachsen here and there's the Leipzig. And if we pick the city, so yeah, you see, it's like, it's not too terrible, but it definitely is growing. So yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, I think we're lagging behind because we're a relatively small city that is, you know, not, not something like Berlin or Munich or whatever that have a lot of travelers here. So we have a, we have a big airport, but it's mostly like cargo one. So it's, probably gonna either hit us with a delay or we're gonna be fine i'm hoping here like fingers crossed but uh so far it's not too terrible but um the toilet paper and uh pasta is missing from the shelves in the shops this is like this the silliest thing ever for some reason it's toilet paper and then pasta and pasta sauce so i like i'm not sure why exactly pasta and pasta sauce because everything else like vegetables and, and bread and cheese and whatever you can imagine the fish meat Okay, no, meat is missing as well in some, some cases. But yeah, the most most empty shelves are basically like pasta, uh, pasta sauces, and then toilet paper. Like, why? I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> but yeah, so far, you know, not too terrible. Um, I'm hoping the response will be, you know, um, there there's basically rumors uh, that the Germany is going to issue like a countrywide lockdown and quarantine starting next week or something. And then um, we have one of the most like advanced university clinics here. There's like the, you know, the Uniklinikum, they like they teach doctors and stuff. So the equipment should be pretty good in our town, which means that we're probably going to be fine. But uh, we're going to see how that develops. Anyway, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this optimistically. Shouldn't be too bad. Um, I have some faith in Germans doing this correctly. But yeah, so far doing fine. <laughs> Okay, any more questions, suggestions, or shall we just wrap it up here? Okay, I'll take that as a no. So once again, thank you guys very much for your continued support. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, and I see you next week for some development stream. I actually got an invite for, uh, what was it? Warp JS, I think. So we might stream that and uh, see how that works so it's a serverless um, function as a service for next generation we're gonna see what is this and how it works because it looks quite interesting 
Oh yeah, there we go. So thank you guys very much for watching and I see you next time.